Welcome back to the Green Element podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I can't wait to meet our guest today and help you on your journey of sustainability. Today, we've got Tom and Simon Rice on the show. They are a father and son duo that run a water saving device urinal company called Eureka. Um, I've probably done it a massive disservice by describing like this. It saves an awful lot of money. You don't get blocks and you save a lot of water. I mean, it's kind of, it literally, I've come away from the episode now thinking it's a no brainer. Everyone should be putting their product in. I don't actually understand why you wouldn't. It doesn't make sense. And I am not on commission. I should point out that as well. All right. I hope you enjoy the show. Tom and Simon Rice, thank you very much for coming along to the Green Element podcast. Welcome today. You run a company called HSG UK and have a fantastic product in it that I'm sure many of our listeners would love to know more about. And you are helping us sustainably. So please, why don't you introduce yourself and more about what it is that you guys do? Thanks very much. Well, it's very kind of you to uh, to have us on. Yeah, in terms of uh, HSG, we're all about water conservation primarily, and that water conservation is within the washroom area. We own and manufacture a product called the Eureka, which basically goes into gentrurinals and can save a site a massive amount of water which in turn saves them a massive amount of money. We have it installed in various sites all over the country, ranging from some huge customers such as Tesco, Pizza Hut, the NEC in Birmingham, through to uh, just single sites that, that have one urinal and one cistern. But without sounding corny, obviously we're, we're all about kind of saving the world one, one washroom at a time. So whether people have got one... <laughs> one urinal with one cistern or 800 urinals on a site with 400 cisterns it doesn't matter to us brilliant so urinals i wouldn't say it was probably the place that most people would go into business um where how did it all, how did it all come about that's a really good question a really good question um and it's quite an interesting answer to that one actually my dad was always self-employed and he was a structural engineer And when I mentioned to him that I was considering leaving employment to go into self-employment, first he looked at me a little bit strangely, as much as to say, are you really sure about that? And then he kind of proceeded to give me some advice. He said, you know, you really need to go into somewhere, an arena where there'll always be a requirement for an element of, of your service. So the two areas that he recommended were toilets, because everybody needs to go to the toilet, or a funeral director because unfortunately, as life goes on and, and stops at some stage, somebody will always need a funeral director. So I thought, which is the best way to go with that? And I decided toilets was the best option. Brilliant. So, and you are now father and son company as well. Correct. You are. Correct. Yeah. Obviously, Tom works alongside myself. It is a, a family business. It started off as a family business, but obviously over the years we have expanded and taken on a number of staff we now have around about 30 staff that work for us and they range from 
obviously business development managers through to uh, engineering team that actually goes out to fit the Eureka product and also to look after it on a quarterly basis as well. And again, I'm sure most companies would say exactly the same thing, but genuinely, you know, the team that we have in place at HSG is absolutely fantastic. And I think the biggest element of our success, I think, is, you know, is the people because it's okay having a brilliant product and a brilliant idea and a brilliant innovation. But unless you've got people that are committed to the same kind of vision as you, to want to to get the word out to people, to tell them about that that brilliant product and then to install it and to look after it properly, you know, you wouldn't be successful. So, yeah, I can't praise the team at HSG enough. So could you tell us a bit more about your water-saving urinal device? How does it work? Because you, we've all seen them in urinals. Well, variations of them, I would imagine, in urinals. Is it something that just sits there or is it something that sits behind the scenes? Or how does it work? Great question. Well, in terms of how we install and look after the products, it kind of starts from square one, really, whereby people, uh, well, initially when we talked to people about washroom services, most people said the biggest problem that they had with in their site was the urinals they either blocked smelt or used too much water so we designed the product back in 2007 with a company down in devon who actually manufacture it for us as well and we set out to kind of address all those three problems if you like so when we go into a site more often than not the urinals are flushing a tremendous amount i think the common kind of theme for a flushing urinal is to flush four times an hour that's without without water controls so if a urinal does flush four times an hour on a nine litre system over the course of a 12-month period it would use approximately 315,000 litres of water um, if you then cost that up at £2.50 a cubic metre which is kind of the common charge across the UK or the average charge across the UK, it would end up costing the site approximately £780 a year just to run that one system. When we've installed the Eureka and our water management as well, alongside that, we'd reduce that £780 down to £32. So you can imagine that's just on one system. So if people have got multiple systems across the site, you're saving a tremendous amount of water and a tremendous amount of money. As an example, we installed it into the NEC in Birmingham back in 2009 and even after paying us to look after the product and service it on a quarterly basis they save around about 35 to 36 Olympic size swimming pools of water every year and if you put a cost of that it's around about £100,000 a year on their water bill and that is after paying us to look after it so in terms of obviously the other associated benefits to it stopping blockages and stopping smells as well that is kind of like a, a a real intrinsic part of the product and that is part of the innovative design that we won the queen's award for in 2018 so is it worth me kind of just talking you through what we do when we go to a site will and just i think um, it would because my next question was going to be are you a water saving device i think you must be more than that because you're letting out some water at the same time and it's a more intelligent system than just a water-saving device, isn't it? Correct. As I say, the common theme of urinals is to flush four times an hour. So over the course of a 24-hour period, that's 96 times a day because obviously urinals flush overnight as well, even when the building's closed. So we 
change that from 96 times a day down to just four times a day. So we do that by fitting our intelligent water management system onto the incoming water supply that comes into the system. So that's the easy part, really, to fit that and to regulate it to four flushes a day. Because it's an intelligent water management system as well, we can program that to flush at whatever times of the day that the customer requires. So if it's a school, for example, they might say, well, you know, can we have our four flushes between nine and three whilst the children are in, in school? Or it might be, you know, a 24-hour operation whereby they say, can you stagger them, you know, once every six hours? So the easy part is obviously fitting the water management system, which, again, we design and manufacture ourselves. But the important part, I think, really is around the actual urinal bowls and the urinal pipe work itself. So when we go to a site, predominantly, we will go into a site that often has blockages and smells. So we will take off the urinal pipework to those urinals and either clean it out or to put brand new pipework on with the idea being that we get that pipework back to as, as good a condition as possible. We then install our outlets into the urinals as well and they're specialised outlets which will take the Eureka cartridge and then we will insert the Eureka cartridge into the outlets as well. And as I say, we structure the flushes to four times a day so then what happens is within the Eureka product itself is a, an odor lock system. So it's very much, once you plug the Eureka into the outlet, it's very much like putting a cork in a bottle. So any smells which would normally come out of the drains and out of the pipework and into the washroom through a normal urinal, they're stopped because you've got the Eureka in there as a plug, if you like. It's then got various filters around the Eureka itself as well to stop things like chewing gum and hair and any other debris going into the traps and into the pipework to help blockages. But the real kind of technical part of it, if you like, I think, is the Eureka block, which is in the top. Um, so it's a, it's a blue block that contains 35 billion bacteria, uh, which is obviously it's a huge amount of bacteria. And those bacteria actually break down the normal hard uric salts that would normally form within the pipework so there's seven strains of bacteria in the Eureka as well to fight all seven strains of the build-up of gent urine and you have a team of people managing your system how often do they have to go in we service quarterly so we'll do the initial installation and get all the pipework as i say back to a normal condition get the Eureka installed get the water management system installed we then speak to the cleaning team as well to advise the cleaning team why the product's installed into the urinal because obviously if they didn't know anything about it one day they'll come in and the urinals will look slightly different so we make sure the cleaning team are aware of what we're trying to achieve in terms of saving water and money and then we come back on a quarterly basis so on a quarterly basis we will take the Eurekos out because obviously the block itself will have expired around about the 13 week period so we'll take the Eureka out put new Eurekos in. We will do spot checks on the traps and on the pipework to ensure that the Eureka is functioning as it should do. By doing that as well, sometimes we can pick up if anybody's sort of poured any foreign substances down there, such as bleach or, or anything of that nature. And we will also plug into the water management system as well because that, that runs off a battery. So we'll just check that that's flushed the right amount of times and check the battery life on the, the water manager too just basically to make sure that everything is functioning as it should. And obviously, if it's not, we can, we can jump on things very quickly in that quarterly period. 
just in case, say, somebody has accidentally poured a foreign substance down there or maybe not looked after it or cleaned the, the product as it should do between our quarterly visits. Yeah. Why is it that the urinal manufacturers don't reduce the water usage themselves on their the flushing stuff? Is it legislatively led or is it... You know, I mean, what's, what's the reason for that? That's a very good question. That is, a, you know, an excellent question. In fact, I think, again, you know, we have spoken to some urinal manufacturers about the possibility of sending out the Eureka kits with their manufactured urinals. And there's definite interest there. And, and we have actually, on a couple of occasions, tentatively entered into kind of agreements to do that. I think, again, some of the really big urinal manufacturers maybe because you know they've got a lot of other things kind of going on i suppose within the manufacturing side of their business and all the other associated bits and pieces maybe to to add another string in into the mix is maybe a bridge too far for them um it would be great as you say you know to send them out at source if you like because obviously straight away then we're you know we're helping to save water from the word go rather than us having to you know find the sites to spread the message in a different way it does seem a bit ridiculous that we're retrofitting something that could potentially be fitted from day one that's just me looking at it from an outsider's point of view i guess um no that's a really good point well and again just you know your legislative point earlier um there are obviously water regulations for sites to adhere to to basically say that you know if they have got a system within their site it should be serviced by a flushing device. So the water regulations, I think 1999, say that that should be the case. So I think on, you know, on new build situations, I think sometimes that is often sorted by the architects. Um, but by fitting a water management system to the site doesn't mean that they will restrict the water to the right amount. You know, they're often set incorrectly or not set up properly at all. So the urinals will still flush, you know, sometimes above 96 times a day. You know, if it's a sensor-based system as well, whereby it picks up people and, and flushes when it picks up somebody, if that's set at one person and it picks up one person, then the urinals can flush, you know, more than 96 times a day. So even if the sites are specified by an architect, then it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's set up and they're saving the right amount of water. And you have to have some element of water being flushed down the urinal, don't you? I, mean, I remember we worked for a site um, in central London and they were sold a waterless urinal system and they were really pleased with it. They thought this is brilliant and it worked for the first three or four weeks. And then after that, they found out that they had very flat pipes going from the building to join the sewage system. And so they had blockages on a fairly regular basis that they'd never seen before because they had quite a lot of water coming down from the urinals that would permanently just keep the blockages free. And they had to work with that. I mean, is that a common scenario to come across? Or, yeah, I mean, what's your experience with blockages and less water? No, that's a, a, a spot on. An absolutely fantastic point. We... Um... On, on that, the, the, the issue of um, uh, not enough fall on, on pipe work, again, just going back to our engineering team who 
um, are all qualified plumbers. Um, when we undertake an installation, there is a lot more that goes into that installation uh, other than just kind of taking the pipe work off and cleaning it. I maybe should have explained that a little bit earlier. So if we do notice that there isn't the appropriate fall on pipe work, et cetera, our guys will, will rectify that uh, and make sure there is sufficient fall on the pipe to, as you say, take that waste away and out into the main stack. Um, on uh, waterless urinals, again, it, it's, um, it's very much a, a bugbear of ours, um, I must admit, because there are um, waterless systems out there, which again, I think were kind of on vogue 10, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, we, we, oh, it sounds great. It sounds great to have waterless systems out there. Um, but a lot of the waterless systems that do claim to be waterless will uh, also require an element of, of water to be manually put through the urinals. Um, so, uh, you know, on that basis, you know, waterless urinals aren't actually waterless because it does, really? it does rely... <laughs> On, on the cleaning team to uh, to put that that water through the urinals themselves, um, and commonly that that doesn't happen. You're absolutely spot on. That doesn't happen. So um, what that will mean then is that um, that that debris will still sit in that pipe work. The bacteria will will probably look in time to kind of feed on each other, and then that that waste will solidify as as um, as it shouldn't do. Um, we do, uh, you know, a lot of, I must admit, especially lately, a lot of the business that we are uh, taking on now, it used to be, you know, uh, sites whereby there was no water controls in there and there was nothing in the urinals. But a lot of our business lately has been uh, through taking um, sites on that had been waterless previous previously, uh, purely because the system wasn't working for them at all. They were getting the bad smells and blockages, um, so they wanted to revert back to putting an element of uh, automated water through the through the system, albeit a very small amount each day, as you rightly say, to push that softened waste away out into the main stack. Hmm. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Um, ridiculous how we learn from our mistakes. Now, so you've got a team of people. I'd love to now focus on the business itself and how you run and um look at the environmental management of the business uh, i would imagine looking at your because your client list is pretty pretty good tesco's nec lloyd's oto arena jcb pizza hut um a few football grounds as well raf rolls royce boots amazon uh, yeah exactly i could carry on but um, it kind of says it all, really. Um, so therefore, environmental, ten the, te the tender parts of um, those pr projects do tend to ask for the sustainability parts of it. And so could you take us through what sort of things that you do as businesses, as a business, sorry? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, one really good, good point, I suppose, as a starting point is that when we were talking about... Um, helping to save the planet by saving all, all of the water that we were uh, that we have done we were very very conscious about um uh, you know the the uh, the plastic side of of the eureka um so initially when we set out we made the the eureka from a biodegradable plastic um which 
yeah, over time, obviously, if it did go into landfill, it would would biodegrade. Uh, but we weren't happy. I, I must admit, at the time, uh, this was this was obviously back in 2007, 2008. Uh, with the length of time, it, it it would take the Eureka to biodegrade. So what we then decided to do was to make the Eureka out of recyclable plastic. Um, and um, it does take an element of uh, of extra work to recycle the Eurekos uh, because they do have to be uh, washed before they can be recycled because obviously you can't you can't recycle unclean material. Um, so that that was obviously a big thing for us that we didn't want to save water but then impact uh, and uh, and produce a lot of plastic. Um, we we've also got another product as well. Um, which um, is a, a, called the Eurotech Plus, which is another another product that we do install into sites as well, and it's a spot water meter. So we've got that fitted on our own building as well, um, and what that allows us to do um, is to set thresholds. So, for example, um, if we uh, at certain times of the day, so we can say. If um, the water started to run at two o'clock in the morning, for example, um, and you know it, it ran more than half a litre, uh, we uh, would ask that machine to switch the water off to our building until the following morning. Because obviously from our point of view, we know that nobody is in our building at two o'clock in the morning, so there should be no water going through there. Um, we can also as well, um, if, we uh, obviously the guys have to clean the vans to get us, to keep us looking nice and tidy as we go out and about doing our work. Uh, but again, we can set the threshold um, to uh, keep that flushing water. So sorry, keep that running water to a complete and utter minimum. So it allows us to kind of set a threshold to say, you know, literally the hose pipe can run for a very short amount of time before again uh, it would shut the water off to the building if we thought they were using too much water. Um, that's brilliant. Every commercial building <laughs> should have that. The amount of water audits we've done and we've found water leaks and it's because we've analysed the water usage as opposed to, and they would have gone for months or years using too much water and you could use your yeah. device and it's straight away. It's a little bit like a smart meter, isn't it? Except it's actually smarter yeah. than a smart meter. Smart meters are actually yeah. dumb meters. You're absolutely so right, Will. Yeah, absolutely so right. And you can also as well, um, you know, you can get it to to produce usage graphs. You can actually, because it does pulse to the meter every two seconds, you can actually see uh, real-time flow, which is really, really quite interesting. Um, and also as well, it's almost like a, a magic trick, actually. Sometimes when we go out to clients to show how the device works, what we normally do, you know, we can be in London, we can FaceTime the office and get somebody to turn a tap on in the office. And then from our tablet on our phone, we can close the valve on the tablet or on the phone and people can see instantly it shuts the water off to the building. So even if you don't have the thresholds set, you can also instead go into the tablet, as I say, or the phone and close the valve from there manually. And it's really, you know, as I say, it's really quite sort of striking to see that happen. And then obviously you can turn it back on with the phone or the tablet as well. So again, it could be that you set an alert up for uh, a caretaker at a school. And, and if they get an email to say, you know, there's been running water for a certain length of time, they could manually just go into their phone and just turn the water off to the following morning until they've got time to 
to investigate what's happened. So again, you know, that is a brilliant tool and it's great as well for, as you say, picking up leaks. If leaks are sprung underground, which would normally just run and run and run for a long, long time, maybe, you know, you wouldn't notice that until you got your next water bill. And sometimes if it's not, you know, a fast running leak, it's been consistently happening for a long period of time, you might not even pick up on it then. It could just be one of those things where, you know, you get the, the bill and it's the same kind of amount every quarter and people just overlook it. But you, you could well have a water leak underground, which yeah. is costing a tremendous amount of money. And I've, um, I've got an experience of that. Exact. That happens on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely it does. And that, that's, that's really interesting. You know, when we speak to customers, you know, they say exactly the same thing. We're also at the moment, we're looking into um, swapping the vans out for electric vans, which again is, you know, it's a big thing at the moment, electric vehicles. Um, so we're trying to sort of get ahead of the game, if you like, to, to um, convert our vehicles to electric vehicles. Um, we also do um, sponsorship opportunities uh, with, we, we do a lot of work with the Bumblebee Conservation Trust which is um, uh, an organisation which is quite close to my heart, actually. I do, I'm very, I'm very fond of the Bumblebee. Um, but again, you know, when you look into the kind of work uh, that, that that charity does and, and the kind of work that the Bumblebee itself does, again, you realise, you know, sustainability-wise, it's, it's a crucial part of, um, of, you know, a crucial part of the world. So, uh, you know, we, we like to support that as much as we can as well. Did you dress up um, in yellow and black on Bumblebee Day? We did um, as a team. Think... You may laugh, but we did as a team. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I do love the Bumblebee, but that was probably even a bridge too far for me, Well, I think. <laughs> but I, I take my hat off to you for doing it. <laughs> I don't really know how it came about, but I think we just thought, someone said it's Bumblebee Day tomorrow. We should all wear yellow and black. And so we all decided to wear yellow and black for the day. I think clients were like, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> interesting attire for consultants. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but uh, you're fantastic and a fantastic thing to do for, you know, um, for a fantastic, uh, a fantastic little animal. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's crucial to, to how we survive. So, um, yeah, well done you. And so looking, I mean, where you're based in Derby, aren't you? And Correct. you are all over the UK. I mean, I'm a, do your um, engineers go, or plumbers? Plumbers or engineers? Plumbers? Uh, both, yeah. The, the plumbers, engineers, yeah. The, the, the both, really, yeah. yeah. Do they travel all around the country from Derby, or are they based around the UK? Uh, very good question. We, um, when we initially set off, because obviously we were we had to start from somewhere, so we set off from a, a, a Derby base. Mm. Um, we very slowly but surely, obviously, we were picking up sites and we were we were doing bits and pieces um, as nearby to our base as we could do initially, um, purely for 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 two reasons really. One, uh, it was easier for us to manage, but two, again, we were conscious of the fact that you know we didn't want to save a load of uh, a load of water but then be uh, chugging all around the country and, and impacting on the environment. So uh, we started off by trying to sort of work from a centre point and work outwards. 
the difficulty comes when you know you do pick up national contracts like we did um, with Pizza Hut and with Tesco. Um, but um, what it did allow us to do actually when we picked up the Tesco contract was was alter the way that we operate. So we were then able to um, recruit engineers in different parts of the country. Um, and we've got some fantastic guys um, out there that, that, you know, are based in, in Scotland, down in London, Bristol, um, who uh, can then obviously operate uh, on, a, on a, uh, a smaller circumference, if you like, from their home address. So, um, you know, it's it, again, it's, it's lessened the amount of travelling that we have to do now, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. And do they have to carry quite a lot of kit around with them? Uh, Again, great question. Um, no, really. I mean, the, the good thing is because the Eureka is um, itself is quite a small item. Um, after the initial installation, um, it's very much kind of like you know taking around uh, the Eureka, the refills, uh, the uh, Urina Bowl cleaning product that we um, uh, that we use as well. Actually, just touching on that as well, just as a way of, of again talking about how we've tried to save plastic, et cetera. Um, with, with the Eureka Uranobol cleaner, we provide, um, for example, if there's two urinals in a site, we will provide two trigger sprays at the outset of the contract. Um, and then from there, um, when we visit every quarter, instead of taking new uh, plastic bottles, we literally just take two um, sachets to the site uh, and we will pop them into the bottle ready to be used for the next quarter because the sachet, sachets themselves have a dispose, uh, um, yeah, a, a dispersal uh, outer covering on the sachets so uh, they will dissolve so you put them in into the plastic bottle fill it with water shake it and you've got your cleaning solution so again we were kind of always looking at ways that we could keep the amount of plastic down that we used um, and that, that system works really well. That's brilliant. I'm just now um, thinking, and your engineers are going to kill me for saying this because they impossibly <laughs> listen to this, but they could, they could be cycling and catching the train everywhere and um, they may not even need the vans that you're talking about. Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, again, I, I think it's, it's a situation whereby, um, you know, if we have got uh, equipment and kits on the van, we do have to be set up, I suppose, for um, unforeseen circumstances. So, as I say, it might be that we go to a site, uh, they've changed over their cleaning team and they've used the wrong cleaning product on, on the urinals for um, a few weeks. So we will then go to the site and we'll find out that the pipe work isn't as clear as it should be for that exact reason. So right. the guys, when they get to the site to do the quarterly service, they might need a bit more kit with them than than you know just having the normal Eurekos uh, in a box. Uh, but yeah, as you rightly say, if uh, if we worked in a in a world of utopia, yeah, it's it's probably something that they could sort of sling a bag over the shoulder, get on the bike, and, and away we go. That would be absolutely tr- that would be absolutely tremendous. I mean, I was kind of thinking of, I I was a bit tongue in cheek, but I was also thinking from a management point of view and running an organisation. And, um, you know, you keep those overheads low, you can pay people more and it just, it's, you can just do more with your money. I mean, amount of organizations that spend too much money managing the business is 
kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, again, Will, this is where we could probably um, rely on, um, uh, you know, your your listeners to this podcast. I think, obviously, the more the more sites that we can pick up and take on, um, the more uh, the tighter the, the routes, which could, you know, eventually lead to that, that kind of situation, especially in London, for example. Um, you know, if the guys were um, going from from site to site, uh, and we did have a lot of sites in there, it would actually make more sense to um, to be on a bike um, as such, rather than, you know, being sat in, in traffic, as you say, chugging out fumes um, and having the expense of the congestion charge, etc. Or consultants, actually, running teams yep. of buildings. I'm just now looking at it from our point of view. We're in the buildings. We look at, we look at, we go around and more than likely we're going to be in the, each of the bathrooms as well anyway. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If you start to get other people to be your eyes and ears, it's another way of working or working with cleaning companies. I mean, I would imagine uh, that probably thought about the cleaning company point of view. Uh, that, that's, uh, uh, you know, a spot on point as well. And, and, and actually that's, that, that brings me on it quite nicely to another innovation that, that we, um, <laughs> that we um, a couple of years ago, actually, we've got um, an app, um, that we designed called Clean C L E N, um, and again the whole idea of, of, of setting up the app um, was to all our, our strap line in throughout the business is improving the world one washroom at a time. So um, whether that is um, through saving water, which is our, our biggest interest, um, or through to um, as I say, you know, doing other elements within the washroom that makes it a a nicer environment for people to um, to use. So um, we set up a clean um, around about 12 months ago now. And what it allows people to do is to, to literally go to any washroom uh, in the world. Uh, so you can search for the site in question um, and you can then place a review. So you can either replace, you can either place a good review um, to, to say, you know, hats off to the site for what they've done or you can place a bad review. Now, if you place a bad review, it will then take you into a different screen where there's various different icons uh, that will tell you uh, or, or allow you to comment on whatever you think is a problem. So, for example, um, you can click on the urinal icon, and uh, if you think that urinals are using too much water, uh, again, you can you can feed that back to the site in question, or it might be that the nappy bin smell because they're overflowing um or there's no soap in the dispensers or whatever um so you can feed that into the app uh and then leave the review uh and that review then uh will sit uh within the actual uh system itself um and again where we've had real success in that is that um and i didn't realize this myself actually until we kind of developed the app and and we started sort of talking to people um people with disabilities sometimes that you know they won't go out and visit a site unless they know that there's good accessible toilets there um so it allows people to then you know if they're thinking of visiting a site the theater for example they can actually go onto the app and look to see uh, what reviews are on there and see if people have comment uh, commented about you know the the toilets being accessible etc um but the crucial bit as well, uh, the biggest bit really is, I suppose, is that it, it goes through to the to the venue. So they can sign up for a dashboard. 
Um, so when anybody then places a review, that information goes into their dashboard. So then they can choose whether you know they want to uh, or what they want to do with the information. So again, for example, if we go back to the water usage one, and somebody's commented that um, they think the urinals smell, block, and too, use too much water, that will go through to the site. Um, and they can see then that obviously their customers aren't, aren't happy with that element of, um, of, of the washroom area. Uh, and if they're a, a restaurant, for example, that can be kind of um, really important to, to their visitors. You know, clean toilets equals clean kitchens in a lot of people's eyes. So, um, so yeah, so that was another an element to kind of square the circle from our point of view as well. You know, we wanted to... Uh, to bring clean into the arena to to assist in all sorts of different ways. Brilliant. I've just looked it up. It's got five-star reviews. You haven't got one that's not a five-star review, so it must be really good. Yeah, yeah, we're very proud of that, actually. That's very kind of you to say, well, yeah, we are we are very very proud of that. Um, and, you know, we've had some great um, some great comments um, from that, including from, from Apple itself. You know, we, we um, they, they picked out that the app was you know, really, really well put together and really informative and really usable for for people. So, uh, yeah, we were proud of that as well. Oh, cool. I, I was actually on the Android one. I don't have an Apple. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, that means that you've got five-star reviews on Apple and on Android. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that, that's really pleasing. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it just, it sounds like such a great um, product and what you guys are doing uh, one washroom at a time is brilliant. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. I, um, I've really enjoyed listening to you talk about your idols. I never thought I'd say that out loud. That's weird. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, thank you so much to both you and Tom. And um, yeah, thank you very much. No, thank, thank you, Will. Thanks for having thank us. And oh, one last thing, Will, I was just going to add as well. If um, any of the people uh, listening to the podcast uh, are interested, uh, we'd be prepared to, uh, again, if they mentioned Green Element within their inquiry, um, we would be prepared to give them a, um, a free um, service, uh, if you like. So we, we, will, we will visit the site and literally look at, you know, the flushing site of their urinals, work out a kind of a cost that, that it was costing them at the moment to, to uh, run their urinals, uh, and then create a business case for uh, for installing the Eureka into the urinals. So, um, yeah, we prepared Great. to do that for free. Yeah. Great. Thank you very much. That's, um, that's really cool. And what I didn't um, say was all of your Twitter and... Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the kind of social media handles will be on the website. Um, we'll put on our show notes as well. But um, thank you very much. Yeah. You. No, no problem. Uh, thank you very much, Will. Thanks for having us, Will. So from a cost-benefit analysis point of view, it'd be really interesting to understand how the, um, how the urinals work. Because so one urinal could take 12 months to pay itself off. Um, putting installing the stuff and having the engineers fees and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah absolutely well to be, to be honest well it could be uh, it could be quicker than that you know depending on how much um, how much water is being used uh, before we we go into the site but again if we kind of work on the industry standard 
of four flushes an hour, um, 96 times a day. Um, so again, we're, we're on to that, that figure of 315,000 litres per annum. Uh, we'll take that 315,000 litres per annum uh, down to around about 17,000 litres per annum. So the drop is, is astronomical. Um, and then, as I say, even after paying us to look after it for a year and um, paying us to install the product as well, uh, they'd be looking roughly at a payback between six to eight months. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of is, is one of those no-brainer situations, if you it like. It is. Uh, it is, considering a lot of organisations um, don't own the building they're in. They lease them. And so that payback period, sadly, is such a massive um, barrier to do a lot of sustainable activities. And um, this is one sustainable and environmental um, thing they can do that will absolutely make sense from day one. If they've got less than a year left on the lease, it makes sense to do it. 100% 100% will. And plus as well, I mean, that, that six to eight months payback time that I'm talking of there doesn't take into account, um, you know, what they're uh, paying for on top of the water at the moment. So, you know, if they're throwing urinal blocks in there and cubes, um, if they're having diorod out maybe once or twice a year on top of on top of that, you know, you can literally... <laughs> bring that payback period down to maybe even one to two months that it it, to be that Mm. that kind of astronomically uh different to the situation they're facing at at, um at the moment i've got another question on the fact that water has now been it's not privatized but um it's not regulated is it basically you can buy water from different carriers Let's face it, it hasn't gone massively well. And we only buy off now, not Thames water, but Castle water if you're in London. But um, that will change, I would hazard a guess, over time. Has that made any impact with you at all from a water point of view? Or do you think actually it won't make any difference at all? Um, it's a good question. I think as it stands at the moment, I don't think it's had uh, much impact. I think there's been kind of a lot of confusion around that and it, as you rightly say i don't think it's gone as well as um as well as it it it, it could have or should have done um i think maybe when people start to to get things together and um you know there's a drop in price perhaps on you know the cubic meter cost of water then maybe at that point then um you know people you know will and and, and could shop around to use different um different people to to reduce their water bill that way mm. um but even so you know even even if you you know people were were getting a better cubic meter cost as well there's nothing um better than obviously reducing the amount of, of water that goes through uh through urinals so no matter how much it's costing you know there'll still be a saving there um, and one thing I, m- I meant to mention as well, Will, is that um, there is also another statistic that basically says that 80% of uh, wasted water going through any any site now, so I'm talking wasted water going through a site, uh, 80% of that um, commonly will be going through the urinals. So Very interesting. Uh, if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, you, you look at that figure of 100% of wasted water, 
maybe I don't know, ten percent is is being wasted through the taps. Ten percent is being wasted through the WCs. They might have leaking siphons or whatever. Um, but eighty percent of of that wasted water uh, predominantly will be going through the urinals as well. So again, even more reason to mm. uh, to restore the eureka. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode of the Green Element Podcast. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us so we can see them too. At GE underscore podcast. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, greenelement.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better world.